Merry Christmas, boys and girls. It's Christmas Day 2023 and welcome to the second part of the Acceptable in the 90s Christmas Special. We are going to be talking about a Christmas classic today. But before we do, we need to talk about a modern classic. In the last of our Big Meaty Cools craft beer reviews for Northern Monk's Core Autumn Range. Yes, I know we're approaching winter, but just bear with me. We have, as a last but not least, the Aunt Bessie's Apple Crumble and Custard Pale Ale. Now, Northern Monk did do a four pack of these in Morrison's in 330ml that were all different flavours. But with the Apple Crumble and Custard, they also released it separately as a 440. And there's nothing better than a proper pudding at home, is there? And this is what Northern Monk are trying to capture with this. So they've teamed up with Aunt Bessie's to serve up a sweet and creamy pale ale based on an old school favourite of apple crumble and custard. So I've given it a pour and let's have a good look at it. It's uh, quite hazy, almost amber in colour. It's kept its head very well. So without further ado, do let the Christmas gabber take over your soul as I give this a very satisfying quaff. Well, um, it's not bad. It tastes like it's supposed to taste. It's very apple -y. There's that hint of creaminess to suggest the custard on the tongue as well. So it tastes like it should. I just don't think I'd have it again after this. And that's nothing against Northern Monk themselves. I think they are excellent. And I would drink everything that's put in front of me from that company. But this just isn't to my taste. It's a little bit anemic on the tongue. The mouthfeel is basically just like water. But it does taste nice, I'll be very honest with you. So yeah, if somebody offered me another one of these, I would have it. I just don't think I'll be spending my money on any more. So folks, I have got that to enjoy for the rest of this. Um, although I do wish it was a fat shot of director's bitter. Um, but yes folks, uh, do prepare yourselves as we dive headfirst into a Christmas classic. Aha! What is Christmas? It's a little robin redbreast petrified by the wind. It's an orphan in a blanket being helped into a shed. And it's a snowman whose nose carrot has been stolen and subsequently eaten by a gypsy thief. But more than that, it's me, Stanley, three stunning hostesses, some Santa chat and quality poultry, i.e. knowing me knowing Yule with Alan Partridge. I bid ye good tidings, now.
A ho, ho, ho indeed, listeners. Merry Christmas. You've just caught me from a last-minute Christmas shopping trip in my local branch of Tandy. This episode of Acceptable in the 90s is recorded live from an exact mock-up of the interior of my house. Now, please don't take that as a green light to burgle my actual house, as happened during the previous 66 episodes, because sitting in my home right now are two men from Securicor, Mike and Ted, with their two Alsatians, Tintin and Pickles. So if anyone out there is thinking of burgling me, then don't bother. No, in fact, do. Have a go. Because quite frankly, you'll be picking up your teeth with a broken arm. So just think about that before you trespass on my property. Because you people are scum. Not really, of course. That was just a homage to this episode's tribute to a Christmas comedy favourite of mine. Knowing me, knowing Yule, with Alan Partridge. Now, the idea of this show is that there's a party atmosphere in my home, my mock-up home. And what party would be complete without three lovely hostesses hired for the evening? They'll be circulating with mulled wine and boaster biscuits. Um, they're, they're, they're an assortment of chocolates and hazelnuts compacted onto a sweet oatmeal base. It's quite, quite buttery. Um, anyway, there they are. Yvette, Martine and Sam. They're my three Christmas crackers. And uh, I wouldn't mind pulling one of those. Now, back in 1995, the fact that there actually was an Alan Partridge Christmas special was surprising to me. The early 90s was a golden period for Steve Coogan, and he'd taken a chance on spreading his wings further, introducing such characters as Paul and Pauline Calf, Tony Farino and Gareth Cheeseman. It almost felt like Knowing Me, Knowing You was condemned to be Alan's only run in the national entertainment conscience. In a way, it made sense, as the character bowed out in the most finite way imaginable, accidentally shooting and killing one of his guests with a pair of antique pistols. However, it wasn't shooting a guest that killed Alan's chance of a second series, the pursuit of which fueled the next 20-plus years of comedy misadventures. It was the unfestive carnage of his Christmas special, Knowing Me, Knowing Yule. That Alan was commissioned a Christmas special after committing manslaughter on live television was a joke itself. Reintroducing audiences to Partridge's unique style of interviewing and adding some insights into his life outside of his chat show world, plus adding a Christmas tune and even an appearance by Simply Red's Mick Hucknell for good measure, delivers big laughs, a huge fall from grace and a smattering of sympathy for the Norwich-born host. Quite how Alan Partridge managed to wangle the BBC into giving him his own Christmas special after murdering Forbes McAllister in his last TV appearance is down to the joys of contractual obligation. With that contract at an end, Alan is gunning for a second series, without duelling pistols though. And in his mind, the sensible option is to invite Chief Commissioning Editor of BBC Programmes, Tony Hayers, to join him for 41 minutes of festive chat in a studio mock-up of Alan's own front room. After all, what could possibly go wrong? Well, when interviewing Tony, Alan is on edge and all the better for it, with his questions and comments coming out even more muddled and awkward than ever. Now, on with the party. My house is open, my mock-up house is open to all comers, don't, from... <laughs> The rich man in his rover to the poor man in his Vauxhall Corsa. So let's see. Let's see who's here. Let me just have you for a second. 
Now, this man looks like a clerk, or possibly someone who works in a bank, but in fact, he's my new boss, the new chief commissioning editor of BBC Television. Mr Tony Hayes. <laughs> Tony, uh, welcome to the show. Before you came to the BBC, you were chairman of Euro International Airlines, and whilst you were there, you sacked over 2,000 people. Will you be doing the same at the BBC? <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that, Alan, but... Uh... If I, if I can borrow uh, an image from your very wonderful musical opening there, I, I hope to ring some changes. My show is your bell. <laughs> please, please, peel it. Peel, peel my bell. <laughs> what? Um, I'm sorry, just, just tell us what you're going to do at the BBC. Right, well, um, I will be looking at our output very carefully. We, we live in a market economy, and the BBC should be no exception, that's how I see it. So, um... Every programme will have to justify itself, and, you know, if it's a lame duck, it may have to go. Well, let me assure you that knowing me, knowing you with Alan Partridge is a very healthy duck with, uh, with plenty of legs. So, uh, <laughs> so you, can, you can axe any show you like, as long as you tell me I'm going to get a second series. Please, please tell me I've got a second series, boss. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you want to do that? Just, just, just to clear the air? I know this is not really the, the, the time. No, it's, uh, it's not really the, the time, no. No, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. For, I put you on the spot there. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm embarrassed you. Everyone's embarrassed. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. What's gone? <laughs> that moment. The moment's gone. Oh, good. I thought you meant the second series. <laughs> now, um, now, Christmas at home is... I'm sorry, I'm just all that faffing around, it won't, it won't affect my chances of a second series. No, it uh, won't affect the decision. You mean the decision's been taken? Decisions are made and unmade all the time, Alan. Right, so the decision might not have been made. <laughs> the decision is pending. What you're saying is if tonight's show goes well, I will get a second series. <laughs> don't, don't say anything. Don't, don't, don't say a word. <laughs> now, uh, Tony, what kind of a Christmas did you have? Well, you know, traditional Christmas tree, turkey, all the children together. Midnight Mass? No, I'm Jewish. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> Jews are good. <laughs> Jews are good. No, knowing you, Tony Hares, Jew. <laughs> knowing me, Alan Partridge, Jew liker. But Alan has a Christmas party to put on, and the Buster biscuits and mulled wine were flowing. And it's not long before Alan's penchant for product placement shines through. The show is absolutely dripping with it. It's a comedic effect, particularly for the new, at the time, Rover Vitesse Fastback. Later on we'll meet the sales manager of Alan's local Rover dealership dressed up as Santa. But Tony Hayes doesn't look pleased. After all, product placement is a big no-no on the BBC. So when Alan goes to tell a joke from inside a cracker that begins, what make of cargoes, woof woof, the literal begging from Alan for Santa to not finish the joke is almost a masterpiece itself of cringe comedy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we, we have had a cracker fire in the studio. I'm, yes, I'm being told the split in the cracker does not constitute a complete snap and we haven't broken the world record. 
Um, I suppose the lesson to be learnt from this is don't ever get your props and special effects made by White City Pyrotechnics. <laughs> because, and I'm quite happy to go on record with this, White City Pyrotechnics are run by twits. <laughs> and, and there's one over there. There he is. And he's got a girl's name. <laughs> and he makes pyrotechnics like a girl. Shall I do the joke, Ellen? Um, no, don't do the joke, Father Christmas. Yeah, go on, <laughs> Father Christmas. Give us all a giggle. <laughs> what make of car goes woof woof? Is it a rover? Uh, Mike, please. Mike, Mike, Mike please. H help me out here, please. Please. No, it's not a rover. It's a... a Vauxhall Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hilarious. <laughs> There's no such car. Yeah, yes, there is. My dad had one in the 60s. We had great times in the Vauxhall Labrador. <laughs> the cavalcade of guests, including Norwich bell ringer and fundamentalist Christian Mary, celebrity female impersonating chef The Rude, Fanny Thomas, and husband and wife golfing partnership Gordon and Liz Heron, are fake personalities brought scarily realistically to life by the excellent supporting cast of On The Hour slash The Day Today alumni Rebecca Front, David Schneider, Doon McKeegan and Patrick Marber, as well as an incandescent turn from Kevin Eldon as the double entendre heavy TV chef. Now, uh, while the girls whet our appetite, who's going to provide us with the meat? Well, it's a TV chef with a difference. So let's go and see what she is up to as we go over to my kitchen, my mock-up kitchen, to join daytime TV's favourite chef, The Rude, Fanny Thomas. Alan, you've caught me with my hand wrapped round an enormous chopper. Oh, pardon. <laughs> She's outrageous. <laughs> K-M-A-P-K-Y-F-T, aha. Uh -huh. You what? I'm saying knowing me, Alan Partridge, knowing you, Fanny Thomas, aha. What for? I'm just trying to save time. We worked out during my last TV series that we wasted two minutes during every show um, saying my catchphrase, so... Why don't you cut the catchphrase, then? Can't do that. I mean, that, that'd be like JFK not saying, Ich bin ein Berliner. <laughs> he only said that once. Yeah, look what happened to him. <laughs> Alan, are you saying if you don't say your catchphrase, you might be assassinated by someone? N no, I'm not saying that. Oh. Although I can never completely eliminate the threat of assassination. Um, I mean, I live daily under the shadow of a gunman. Um, but saying the phrase may cause the assailant to abort the mission in the confusion. Um, anyway, I was, I was trying to save time. I could have been shot four or five times in the time it's taken me to say this. I'm going to have to drop one of the guests. Cut Zola Bud. Pay her off. Stick her in a cab. Shall I show you what I'm cooking? Uh, no, there isn't time, but uh, we'll, we'll come back to you later. Basically, just to explain, we all know what Fanny Thomas does. She cooks lovely food and she makes innuendos. Fanny, what are you cooking? Oh, roast partridge. Do you want stuffing? Yes, please. You don't look the type. Oh, pardon. <laughs> that sort of thing. Anyway, um, more of that later. You'll be lucky. Oh, outrageous. <laughs> don't talk with your mouth full. Oh, reminds me of my boyfriend last night. Oh, please, that, that, that's too many. <laughs> As with the series that preceded it, the comedy in Knowing Me, Knowing Yule comes largely from Alan being a chat show host who, essentially, is terrible with people. It almost feels like the guests, including one who's blatantly invited in, have been imposed on him and are either too talented, successful or smart for Alan to handle. Or somehow assault his little Englander worldview. 
Look, let, let's, talk, let's talk about moral standards at the BBC. I think that a lot of people now are worried about moral standards. Like the uh, young bell ringer was saying earlier, I think people are afraid that the media can tend yeah, to... I wasn't talking about the media. I meant people in general are worried by sex and violence. Listen, love, we chatted earlier, <laughs> but you must remember you are a peripheral guest. Right, so... no, 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 I think that's a salient point. It's, it's worth hearing. Good idea, good idea. Let, let, let's, <laughs> let's hear her salient point. Bring her on. Come and join us. Can we, can we get a drink for the, for the Christian? <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry, love. Uh, sorry, I, 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 I didn't catch your name. Was it? Uh, Mary. Mary. No, like, like, like the Virgin Mary. Uh, are, you, are you... Oh, it's none of my business. <laughs> yes, I am, actually. Oh, well done. <laughs> um, uh, f fire away. I'd like to ask Mr. Hares why he allows um, on How did the this BBC. Happen? What? Okay, carry on. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like to ask Mr. Hares why he allows on the BBC the graphic depiction of, of such sordid practices as swearing, fighting, masturbation. Uh, listen, love, sorry, if, if you're going to talk about the subject, can you just avoid using, using that word? Masturbation? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> Well, I do object to the graphic depiction of onanism. What's onanism? <laughs> it's masturbation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, look, look, love, what's your problem with it? Well, I don't like it. Well, don't do it. <laughs> I'd just like to ask you, really, what, what you intend to do about all the filth. It's not his fault. Leave him alone. Well, I, I'd like to deal with this. Let him speak. <laughs> the BBC has a brief, and part of that brief is to provide an opportunity for provocative, innovative, experimental drama. Crime Watch UK. <laughs> now, obviously, this can't be to everybody's taste. When the boat comes in, tell them. <laughs> but if you look at it within its own context... What I object to is that some of these programmes are nothing short of pornographic, really. <laughs> I think to, um, to call the BBC's output pornographic is, if you don't mind me saying, um, being slightly hysterical. <laughs> slightly hysterical. Very good. <laughs> I'm not being hysterical. The BBC broadcasts pornography. Listen, love. The BBC might be many things, but porn it ain't. The only way you can get access to hardcore pornography is if you mail off for a satellite smart card decoder. Then you're in business. <laughs> Let's talk about Christmas. As you will have heard in that clip though, Alan shows he's more than capable of displaying the full gamut of his personality foibles. From cringe-inducing brown nosery to condescending contempt, almost at the drop of a hat. But Alan's comedic reflexes are as fast as ever, and his barbs just as pointed, as shown when responding to poor Mary's protestations about what she sees as the pornographic content that the BBC produced at the time. The setting of the show also talks to Alan's overinflated sense of self. Speaking on the DVD commentary, Producer and co-writer Armando Iannucci recalled that the idea of Alan's mock-up home was inspired by an old Russell Harty Christmas show. It is, like the rest of the special, a revealing glimpse into the real Alan Partridge. His paid-for party guests, a dodgy portrait of himself in the study, and his prized possession. A genuine 18th century Queen Anne wardrobe hollowed out to include a 36-inch television and companion video where Alan throws to a VT of how Alan spends his time back home in Norwich 
on the run-up to Christmas. Norwich. After the bombing of Dresden, Norwich became a city with the largest number of pre-Reformation churches in Europe. <laughs> I love to jog around Norwich, but I can still make calls to the office via my digital telecom headset communicator. <laughs> Norwich Cathedral is breathtaking, and its beautiful golden stone cloisters are the perfect place to go jogging every morning, whilst making those last-minute budget decisions. 300k. 300k, I will take it to Sky. <laughs> if Rackhole Walsh doesn't want to stay in a trust house forte, I'll stick her in a youth hostel, see if she likes that. 400 years ago, this serenity was shattered by a bloody big fight between the townsfolk and the cathedral monks. Six friars were beheaded on this site, which is now a Dorothy Perkins. The blood runs deep. It's three days before Christmas, and I drive the Rover Vitesse fastback to the Royal Norwich Hospital. You can't park here. I've got special permission, because I'm distributing a large box of second-hand toys to the sick children. Hello. I'm Alan Partridge. I love kids. The things they say. There you go. Right. Does anyone watch my show? Knowing me, knowing you, with Alan Partridge? No? No? No. No, no one knows it? Has anyone never heard of me? No. Right. It's very rude to say that, actually. <laughs> in the studio, we're basically what we're doing, we're building an enormous mock-up of my house in a studio. It's great. I mean, the budget's about 280k. Um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with, with TV budgets, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to Christmas? <laughs> jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Good thing about the um, automatic transmission on these things is. You don't have to do those tricky hill starts. <laughs> right now, I just hit the gas. Away we go. <laughs> it's been a busy few days. What better way to unwind than at Tandy's? I've got a special arrangement with their Norwich branch, who let me into their store after they're closed to the general public. If you're a well-known celebrity, Christmas shopping can be an absolute nightmare. So it's always nice to mooch around without fear of being threatened or pickpocketed. <laughs> nice action. Very nice action. <laughs> hmm. that, is, that is a very nice action. Quality action. <laughs> I've got one, though. It's at times like these, simply browsing among electrical goods at Tandy's, that I know who I truly am. Normal, normal I'm Alan Partridge. The show bumbles on from one poorly executed idea to the next, culminating in a superb final act where a botched attempt at breaking the Guinness World Record for the largest cracker pull 
where inside a dangerously defective pyrotechnic device was a kidney dialysis machine meant for the local hospital, results in Alan committing career suicide of the highest order. Let's go back to Fanny Thomas and her Christmas partridge. Well, now, Alan... I've basted the bird now. Now, what we need to get sorted out is the trimmings. Now, I don't know about you, but there's nothing I love more than a hot, spicy stuffing. Oh, pardon! <laughs> uh, anyway, I'd like you to help me out now, right, by grasping this very firmly and giving the top a good hard tug. What does your mother think of you? Very proud. Very proud. Go on, say something about proud now. Sorry? No, about standing proud or something. I don't get it. You know, but I mean, I mean, like you know, like a like a man's member. Or something. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to encourage you. I just, I'm, su I'm surprised you missed that one. That's all. I don't know what you mean. Go on, twist it, twist it. It's quite stiff. That's what they all say. No, pardon. <laughs> no, no. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Now, Alan, look. Here's the stuffing, right? Now, what I want you to do is grab a great big fistful. Oh, he's not shy. Now, <laughs> stick it right up. Go on, stick it right up. Go on. That's it. Further. <laughs> Further. <laughs> right up to the neck. Well, that's enough. True to point, Alan. No, I'm not talking about your finger. Oh, pardon. I, I'm not, I am not aroused. Mm, he thinks the lady does protest too much. Oh, put a cork in it. Oh, well, I tried it, but it doesn't help. Knock it on the head. Ooh, I didn't know you were into the rough stuff. Honestly, it's enough to make a girl blush. You're not a girl. You're not a girl, are you? Your name's Peter Willis. You're a failed disc jockey who dresses up as a woman for cheap laughs. Right, this is Peter, right? Now, what do you want? Do you want Peter or do you want Fanny? Uh, fa Fanny, I want Fanny. <laughs> now I think you pulled out too soon. Go on, pop it back in. That's right. Oi, Alan, what do you do for an encore? Shag a robin? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I need help. I'll get help. I'm sorry. Listen, my, my wife left me on Christmas Eve. I, I spent Christmas Day all on my own here. Well, not here. This is a mock-up. This is a disgrace. I'm going to make sure you never, never work on television again. Please, please don't take my chat away from me. <laughs> is, is, is there anything I can say or do that will make you change your mind? No. Mrs. Potter, do you want some big bird? Hey! Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I will never work in broadcasting again. And on that bombshell, it's time for me, Alan Partridge, to say, knowing me, Alan Partridge, knowing you, wherever you are, and hoost, so hoost is hoost a word? I don't know. I'm, and I'm, I've just been told Dr. Hook is not a qualified medical doctor. Uh, happy Christmas. And, uh, oh, and here's uh, Mick Hucknell to sing Ding Dong Merrily on High. Aha! And on that festive bombshell, Alan's career, as well as his personal life, in what was a shocking revelation at the end of the show, is in ruins, and with an extended stay at the Linton Travel Tavern in his near future, he brings on Mick Hucknell to close the show, just to add insult to injury. 
In the Christmas TV schedules, Knowing Me, Knowing You almost gets hidden in the BBC's repeats output every year. But Knowing Me, Knowing You is a sometimes overlooked sidebar in the Partridge canon that Gag for Gag and Meltdown for Meltdown could be Alan's finest hour on television. It's as sharp and tragic as anything that Alan has ever done and takes a character that could have been remembered as an albatross around Steve Coogan's neck and turns him into a British comedy foundation. If you like that sort of thing. At the time, 90s comedy fans never knew just how big a character Alan would play in Coogan's career. But this Christmas special took Partridge to new heights and prepared audiences for a new sitcom style of comedy that was still to come. Knowing Me Knowing Yule with Alan Partridge fleshed him out and gave him more of a personality than ever before. So very much like Enter the 36 Chambers last week, Knowing Me Knowing Yule is a programme that I cannot possibly talk about in a negative context, but I can understand why it may not be everybody's cup of tea. But it will no doubt be on BBC Two before New Year's Eve at approximately quarter to eleven at night. So why not give it a go? It's excellently acted throughout, highly quotable, and just good fun. And talking about good fun, next week's final part of the Acceptable in the 90s Christmas special is fun of the highest order, as I present a special edition of the ongoing advertisement special. So I do hope you continue to enjoy your Christmas break, and in the meantime and in between time, stay beefy, Meat Siders! Aha! Ding dong merrily on high In heaven the bells are ringing Ding dong merrily the sky Is riven with angels singing Hosanna in excelsis May you dutifully prime Your mat and chimes he rings May you dutifully rhyme Your e-time song he sings Gloria Hosanna in excelsis Oh, I know, I know, I know, my peace and peace.